Burnout in learners such as pharmacy students is largely understudied, but what we have seen time and time again whenever research is done is that pharmacy students and other learners such as residents are not immune to burnout. In fact, they experience burnout for many of the same reasons as the practitioners that are teaching them. So in today's episode, I wanted to focus on resiliency in pharmacy students who are on rotations because this is your first opportunity to experience life like you're going to have as a pharmacist and to build some of those resiliency strategies that can be used later on in your practice. So the idea of this episode actually came from a recent AJHP article, so the American Journal of Health System Pharmacist. And it was entitled Precepting Strategies to Develop Trainee Resilience and Overcome Unexpected Challenges in Experiential Learning. And so if you're watching this and you are a preceptor, I highly recommend reading the article. It was extremely helpful. And I will leave a link to that article in the show notes in case you're curious about it. So you can go to happyfarmlife.com forward slash resources forward slash HPL 110 in order to get that. But this episode is actually not focused on preceptor strategies because I wanted to flip it around and actually just focus on the strategies that students can do themselves. Because a lot of the strategies they talked about in this article were things that you don't need a preceptor to do. It would be great if preceptors did that, but I know that not all preceptors read this article and plan to incorporate these strategies. So what can you do without the help of your preceptor to improve your own resiliency? Resiliency itself is not going to end burnout. We can increase resiliency in healthcare professionals all we want, but there will always be a ceiling. That ceiling where you cannot tolerate anymore and resiliency is no longer enough. However, there are strategies that you can use to build your resiliency and improve your well being so that you can stay in that state of well being for longer. So, the first strategy that you can use to build your resiliency is get clear on your why. You likely have answered the question why you want to be a pharmacist numerous times. You have a simple and clear answer that you can give in an interview, and that's great, but that's likely not the true reason or all of the reasons why you are wanting to be a pharmacist. Oftentimes, there is a deeper reason why you're choosing the path that you are on. The reason you don't tell people those in an interview is some of them may be selfish, like you want to earn a good salary so you can go on vacations and live the life that you want, and some of them can be very selfless. Like you really want to take care of a specific population because you're passionate about helping them because somebody else in your life experienced that and you don't want them to go through that negative experience. Regardless of what those reasons are, you need to be honest with yourself about the reasons why you are choosing to do what you do. And you may be thinking, that's great, Sierra, but how do I do that? Well, one strategy that I found very effective is an exercise called Eight Layers Deep. So all you have to do is sit down with a notebook. If you're listening to this and you're driving, obviously don't get your notebook out now. Do this later. But you will go and you will write down eight reasons why you want to be a pharmacist, eight reasons why you want to do a residency, eight reasons why you are applying for a specific job or working towards a specific job. Typically what I find is people in the first two or three lines write stuff that's pretty generic that they want to help people. That's great. You can do that in a lot of jobs. You want to make good money. That's great. You can do that in a lot of other jobs without spending the amount of money that you do on pharmacy school. Those aren't bad reasons. And if they're true, go ahead and write them down. But what you'll find is the further you get down that list, the deeper you're going to have to go inward in order to figure out what another reason why is. Let me give you an example that I use for myself. So my first reason why was why do I want to be a pediatric pharmacist? And I said, because I want to help kids. 
And one of the reasons why I wanted to help kids was because I felt like they were a very vulnerable population and a lot of pharmacists are afraid to work with them. And I wanted to help that population that often gets turned away because they look like they're too difficult to understand. They're too much of a gray area. Other people don't want to touch them. Why? And one of those reasons that I wanted to help them is I get a big sense of accomplishment from doing something that other people are too afraid to touch. That's a personal trait of mine. It's the competitive nature in me that wanted to take on a challenge that other people didn't want. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of how superficial the first answers were. And the deeper I got, the deeper and more personal the answers became to me, my personality, and the true reasons why I was doing something. That doesn't mean those beginning reasons why aren't true. It just means there are multiple reasons why you're doing something. You have multiple motivations. That's perfectly okay. The reason this is important, though, is having a clear sense of purpose or why behind the things that you are doing have been proven to help you get through difficult situations. And trust me, on clinical rotations, you will have difficult situations popping up all the time, things that you've never encountered before. You're also going to be switching between doing things in tiny humans, like I had a NICU rotation, but I also was doing a rotation a couple months previous where I was only taking care of diabetic patients who were at the veterans hospital. Very different populations. It was difficult to switch my mindset from elderly adults with diabetes to the tiniest humans alive on the planet. We don't ask practitioners to do that very often, but we're asking you to do it as a student. The second strategy that you can do to impact your resiliency on rotation is to reflect on the impact that you're making at your rotation site. There are a lot of different ways you could document this. It could be through journaling, putting it in notes on your phone, or having a spreadsheet of your different interventions that you've made. And this practice is actually twofold. On one hand, you are improving your confidence and reducing your risk of experiencing imposter syndrome during your rotations. That's because you're giving yourself written proof that you know what you're doing and you're making an impact on patient care. On the other hand, you're preparing yourself for those situational-based questions that are going to come up in your interviews when they ask, tell me about a time when you have a list that you've already reviewed and you can just pull interventions with ease because you know them so well. By the way, if you're feeling imposter syndrome, you are not alone. It's a very common feeling to have as a student, resident, and even as a practitioner, but hopefully you can develop some tools to help you overcome it quickly. And one of those tools that I have for you that's completely free is my list of 10 imposter syndrome mantras. This list has a variety of different imposter syndrome related feelings that you might experience and something to tell yourself when you get to that point. To grab your list for free, you can go to happyfarmlife.com forward slash mantras. Strategy number three is to adopt a positive mindset. This can be especially challenging in today's climate where the news and social media are always filled with doom and gloom and tragedy sells. But I created a mantra as a student that I carried with me into residency that I would use when I was put in a situation where I was asked to do something that annoyed me or I didn't think was a good learning opportunity. And that was, what a great learning opportunity. Now, sometimes I said that while being sarcastic, but oftentimes I could turn something that seemed like a poor learning opportunity into an experience that actually allowed me to learn something that was beneficial. A great example I have of this is when you're being asked to fill on a rotation. So you're on your community rotation and they're asking you to just fill prescriptions, the generic count pills, if you will, of the pharmacy 
process. Now, I was lucky. I had really awesome preceptors who tried to keep me away from those tasks as much as possible. They really wanted to teach me the clinical side of being a community pharmacist when I was on their rotation. But things happen. And there were times that I needed to help fill because we didn't have technicians or somebody was on lunch. And I did need to learn those opportunities. Now, I was a student who came in with experience as a pharmacy technician. So I knew how to fill. I'd done it a lot. I'd done it for years but I was still able to find a way to learn in those moments. One of the things that I would look at whenever I was in those filling positions was what the workflow looked like. What were the benefits of their workflow? What were the cons of their workflow? And I would compare it to the workflow that I was in whenever I was a pharmacy technician to see the pros and cons and ways that they could be more efficient and the ways that the place I used to work could have been more efficient if they adopted different strategies. I also used filling as an opportunity to quiz myself. Say you get a script for lisinopril, you start quizzing yourself, okay, what is the brand name? What is the mechanism of action based on this dose? What is the likely diagnosis that this patient has? What are some big counseling points that I need to remember? If I couldn't remember or didn't know the answer to any of these questions, I had like a little notebook that I carried around and I would write that down so it would be something I would look up later. Not only does this strategy help with burnout in the sense that it opens your mind up for opportunities that it wasn't looking for otherwise, it can actually improve your learning. Moral of the story is don't just look at an activity that you're given at face value, but look for other opportunities to improve your learning by doing that activity. The last strategy I want you to consider implementing is not comparing yourself to your preceptor. Do not fall into the comparison trap because you will never win that game. You are on a rotation for four to six weeks. Some of you are on there for eight weeks. Regardless, you are spending a very limited amount of time on the rotations that you are going on. Your preceptor has likely spent years in that practice area, and even if they haven't, they have spent more years training than you have. They're further along, and they always will be, and that's okay. Don't compare your day one on your rotation to their day 2001 in that practice area. When your preceptors are evaluating you, they are not comparing you to themselves. They're comparing you to where you should be in your course of practice, and they're comparing you to where you were at the beginning of the rotation to where you end up. Are you making progress? Are you getting better? The only person you should be comparing yourself to on rotations is yourself a few days ago. That comparison trap is going to lead to more imposter syndrome. It's going to reduce your resiliency and it leads you right into a road of burnout. Don't do that to yourself. There you have it. Four easy strategies that you can implement on your rotations to improve your resiliency. I hope you find these strategies useful as you move forward in your career. Good luck on your rotations, and thank you for watching or listening. Until next time, keep on living your happy farm life. Bye.